Our player profile series rolls on with a pair of potential power speed threats, and we'll discuss a free agent pitcher trying to make a comeback. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had the three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my, my caffeine question, so glad, glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, April 14th. Al Melchior here, joined by Michael Beller. And we've got a couple of really interesting uh, player profiles to go through, Michael. So uh, one relates directly to discussions we've had on the last two episodes about how the Royals are doing really well in Sims. Kind of a head-scratcher. DVR and I couldn't really <laughs> crack that uh, crack that mystery on the previous shows. Maybe you can help with this one. We'll start with Hunter Dozier, who's performing really well across the board uh, in the Sims that I looked at. In fact, in our very own uh, athletic alternate universe, I think he is the Royals' war leader last time I looked. So uh, the Sim likes Hunter Dozier, at least so far in the early part of the season. And, you know, we all liked Hunter Dozier pretty much in 2019, uh, giving us a surprising amount of value. So I want to start with a report uh, from MLB.com from a few weeks back where uh, this was, I think, still while spring training was going on. And Dozier was saying that he wanted to steal more this year. Uh, And certainly there are some stats to support that. He's pretty high up in the sprint speed rankings. He's uh, well within the top quartile. He has 14 triples and 995 career plate appearances. So the speed is there, but he's even in the minor leagues, he was never a big steals guy. So do you have any expectations for that part of his game to, to grow a little bit? Um, I think that we should have some expectations for that part of his game to grow. You mentioned the speed that he has. Uh, Obviously, that is not the only determining factor in stolen base success, but certainly it helps. You'd rather be fast than slow. And another big thing that works in his favor is that this can be a brand of baseball that this Royals team plays up and down its roster. It can be something that is a strength for this team. When you look at the guys on the team, Adalberto Mondesi, we know he's going to be a big stolen base guy. Whit Merrifield, maybe not the stolen base threat he was even just two years ago, but still a very good base runner, still has much better than average speed. He's going to be out there uh, being aggressive, trying to steal bases, trying to go first to third. You had Hunter Dozier to that mix, and suddenly you have three guys who are in your every single day starting lineup who can really wreak some havoc on the base paths. And when you have multiple guys who can do that, it can, be, it can become part of your team's ethos. Like if Hunter Dozier was on a team that where he was going to be the only guy who could do that, then I would put less weight into him wanting to do it more because it just wouldn't necessarily fit the entire team's overall strategy. But with Merrifield and with Mondesi on the team, I could see it being something that they really try to bring to the fore, especially since there isn't a whole lot of pop up and down this lineup uh, either. Really outside of uh, Soler and Dozier, you're not really going to be looking for too many guys uh, to be leaving the yard all that often. So I do think that that's something we should consider. And I do think Al, uh, not really splitting the atom here, that if he does open up his game on the base paths, even if we're just talking to you know, 10 to 15 steals on a 162-game basis, then we're talking about a guy who becomes a really interesting fantasy player. Yeah, no doubt, because there just aren't that many players in the pool that can 
give you that many steals and give you the power production. I think we can much more safely assume that Dozier is going to provide. Uh, now in 2019, of course, a big breakout season for Dozier. Hit a lot more fly balls, increased his fly ball percentage from 37 to 44%. Uh, and really improved his plate discipline. Those things might be related. I tend to think that they probably are. And in fact, I'm going to go to a stat that on a previous episode that you said that you really favored, and it's one I like a lot too, and that's Woba on pitches inside the strike zone. In 2018, decidedly below average for Dozier at 297, uh, but one of the best uh, in the majors in that regard in 2019, a 410 Woba on pitches uh, inside of the strike zone. And uh, by the way, we're going to visit that stat a little bit later on. We're going to return to trivia questions on this episode. But um, anyhow, how much do you um, do you trust Dozier to maintain those gains that he made uh, in 2019 in terms of power? I got to be honest, Al, I feel pretty good about that. And I was not necessarily a huge Dozier guy as of a couple of months ago, but as I was doing my uh, prep for this season, he was a guy who every time I looked at his profile, I liked him more and more. Uh, There's a couple of stats here that go hand in hand with one another. The first is what you said, the fact that he uh, increased his play discipline uh, and he increased his production on pitches inside the strike zone. So you mentioned the uh, you you gave us the exact numbers for the the woba inside the strike zone. O swing rate fell from thirty four and a half percent in twenty eighteen to twenty eight point eight percent last year. So that is a clear sign when you make that big of a drop. That is a clear sign of a guy who is getting a better handle for the strike zone and understanding what his previous weaknesses were and how to address them. Now he also reduced his overall swing rate by about six percentage points, and his swing rate inside the zone went down from 67.2 percent to 62.5 percent. That to me tells us that this was a guy who was going to be more patient. Period. Right? He wasn't going to be necessarily very first pitch aggressive. Was going to try to see more pitches, work deeper at bats, and then take the results as they came to him. Well, now I think that he, since he has that development under his belt, that he can maybe start to get a little bit more aggressive on pitches in the zone. And then that is what fully opens up his game. Is he going to be able to do it? I don't know. Is he going to even want to do it? I don't know. But it's a, it, it's, it's a bet I'm willing, I'm comfortable making. Because if he does do it, and if he still remains a comfortably above average performer on in-zone WOBA and is now swinging at let's say 70% or even just gets back to the 67.2% of pitches in the zone that he sees at that he was at at 2018. Now we're talking about a very interesting player. If you told me I could only take that change or, you know, get into the 10, 12, 15 steal mark, I would take the change we're talking about now because that is really when someone unlocks their full potential as a hitter. And we know how dangerous Dozier can be on pitches in the zone. We saw the evidence of it last season. Yeah, I, mean, if there, I think if there's a hole for Dozier, it's that even with the more patient approach, still a, a slightly above average strikeout rate, a little bit more than one out of every four plate appearances with the strikeout last season, and, and that represented an improvement for him over 2018. He really had to rely on a big jump on his batting average on balls in play, 339 uh, in those situations to give him a 279 average overall. And I looked up and down and backwards and forwards through his uh, profile and didn't see anything that stood out to me as better than average BABIP guy. Uh, is there something you see that I am missing there? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you know, he, he hit the ball pretty hard last year, right? Uh, 85th percentile in exit velocity. I mean, that's pretty hard. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not 
the best of the best, but it's pretty dang good. Uh, and obviously, if you're hitting the ball hard with consistency, you're, but we should give you some credit for having a higher than average BABIP. So uh, it's not to the level that I would necessarily bet on a 339 BABIP again. But if he stays at 339, I don't think that's crazy. If he falls even just to, you know, 330 or 325, you're still talking about a pretty nice BABIP, and I don't think that's crazy at all based on what his exit velocity on average was last season. So while I agree with you, I don't see anything that jumps out and grabs you and screams above average BABIP guy for sure. I also don't think there's anything that says we should be fading the 2019 BABIP for sure. He sort of falls in a middle ground for me there. Yeah, well, and as I often say on the show, that projections by definition tend to be conservative. And even the projections pretty much uniformly have him in the 310 to 320 range for BABIP, which is above average. And you know, maybe he can beat that even by a little bit. So I want to go back, though, to the end zone uh, WOBA, uh, the importance of that that we were talking about just a few moments ago. Uh, because if you go to the leaderboard, everybody that's up at the top of that leaderboard is somebody that you know, is, is typically a fantasy stud. So this is, you know, if you want to be convinced that this is an important stat and one that correlates with good overall performance, just take a look at that leaderboard. And uh, I do have a trivia question because in looking at the leaderboard, there were a handful of players who stood out a little bit in terms of not quite fitting in with the others. So we're, again, we're going to have a trivia question here. I'm not sure how regularly we're going to do this. We have just a few more keys to give away for Out of the Park Baseball 21. Uh, But I just thought that this topic really lent itself. So at least for today, we are going to give away a free Out of the Park Baseball 21 key. Everybody who submits a correct answer to me, on Twitter via DM by 2 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Tuesday at Al Melchior BB, A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R. Uh, submit your answers. If it's correct, you'll be in a drawing for the key. Here is the question. Which three hitters among the top 12 in end zone WOBA from 2019, which three of those top 12 hitters for end zone WOBA from 2019 do not have an NFBC ADP within the top 100. So three hitters in the top 12 in end zone WOBA from last season, this season are not in the top 100 in NFBC ADP. And for that WOBA ranking, we'll just limit it to hitters who have seen at least 1,000 pitches overall in 2019, minimum 1,000 pitches. So anyways, submit the three players. Uh, Whoever gets it correct goes into the drawing for the OOTP Baseball 21 key. Let me just say, Al, that there's one of these three. It's a tiny bit of a hint if you've been paying attention to our show. Not a huge one. One of these three makes me feel very good about where I stand on him going into the season. All right. A little, little clue there for you. Very baby hint. (laughs) All right. So maybe rewarding the loyal listeners just a little bit. We have another speed power guy to get to. But first, top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everybody has time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. 
Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. All right, Michael, well, let's get back and talk about Kavan Biggio here. Um, by the way, I, Kevin Biggio, I mispronounce him as Kavan because there's a great burger place in Detroit called Kavan's, but I digress. <laughs> yes, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Kevin Biggio, uh, not burgers. All right, uh, so uh, I'm not even sure that that place is still around, to be honest. <laughs> But uh, listeners, let us know. Yeah, please do, especially Detroit area listeners. Uh, Another really intriguing player here and something that surprised me a bit. uh, This is somebody who's already in a short time proven himself to be a speed power threat, whereas Hunter Dozier is aspiring to be one. They had the exact same average sprint speed in 2019, exact same 28.3 feet per second. Uh, So I don't know what that says about Biggio or Dozier. But uh, I think the steals are something we can count on, certainly based on the track record from Biggio, minor and major league. But the power is sort of an interesting thing for him, too, because he's got a lot less raw power as measured by exit velocity on flies and liners than Dozier did last season. But this is one of the biggest pole hitters in the major leagues and one of the most fly ball prone hitters in the major leagues of, of 207 hitters in 2019 who had at least 400 plate appearances. Biggio ranked eighth in fly ball percentage. So that helped him get 16 home runs and just 430 plate appearances. Uh, So how do you like Biggio in just standard roto leagues? He's obviously got, because of the plate discipline and the walks, a lot more more appeal in uh, OBP leagues, and we'll get Mm -hmm. to that in a second. But he is ranked, according to uh, ATC projections, and all the major projections are pretty much in the same neighborhood. I used ATC. He is 17th among second basemen in projected roto value for 2020. Those are obviously full season projections, but we'll roll with that. So that kind of suggests that he's sort of a borderline guy in the standard roto league. Does that uh, does that jive with your your expectations? Um, it doesn't. They, I, this is a guy who I want to bet on the come with. Uh, I, I just think that there's a lot to like here with Biggio and the sort of guy who I, I think um, could easily outstrip what the projections are uh, suggesting he would do in 2020 based on the foundational skills that he has in his game. Uh, I agree. You know, We'd like to see a little bit more on the exit velocity and the hard hit, but you mentioned the 16 homers he had last year, obviously being pole happy. That's something that uh, you would expect to see uh, for a below average exit velocity, at least in terms of uh, power. Um, being a pole happy guy, that's obviously going to be uh, good for him in terms of leaving the yard. It's also something that pitchers can exploit, so it's something he's going to have to work a little bit against. You go back to 2018 at the double-A level, 23 years old, he had 26 homers. So I do think that there is a little bit more power there than what the average exit velocity would suggest for him and even though we're talking standard roto and uh, you know you're talking about batting average I do think I love to see a young hitter who has as great a command of the strike zone as Biggio does and is as disciplined at the plate as he is last year that tells me that this is someone who can really make some strides as he gets more and more plate appearances under his belt at the major league level. That's the sort of guy who I want to bet on, a guy who already has had some success and has that understanding of the strike zone. It does seem to me that this is the sort of guy who can make a big stride in his second full year 
in the majors. So I understand the fleas, uh, but I do think that he is someone who I would feel pretty comfortable betting on uh, as better than what that uh, ATC projection for him is. The second base position, very top-heavy. We have some really great players at this position. But once you get beyond the elite guys and you know, start talking about some multi-positional guys like DJ LeMahieu, Max Muncy, Jeff McNeil, and then you start looking at the next group of second basemen, um, Eduardo Escobar, Tommy Edmond, Gavin Lux, Danny Santana. Uh, uh, you can throw Lourdes Gurriel in there. I think he might still qualify. But that group of guys, I think Biggio is comfortably the best bet of those guys because he feels like someone who is still on the rise and is a good bet to be on the rise. And I'm not so sure we could say that about every single guy in that group, at least in terms of being on the rise this year for sure. Maybe if we're talking a few years down the line, you like Gavin Lux better than Kevin Biggio, but I think that this is a good year to be betting on Biggio. I like where he should slot in that Toronto order, so I feel like on balance, he's going to end up returning a little bit better than that. Like I feel pretty comfortable about him being an easy starting second baseman, no matter the size of your fantasy league. Well, you know, I think you make an excellent point there in terms of understanding the positional landscape, because I think if he had that ranking at third base or uh, some other position, then, you know, you'd be talking about 17th, you know, out of a pool of players who are you know, pretty strong bets to, to perform at their projected level. But you're right. Once you get beyond the, the top tier or two at second base, there's a lot of uncertainty and you throw him into that mix and his upside, plus just the potential for regular playing time as compared to, uh, you know, somebody, for example, like Tommy Edmond or uh, Danny Santana, where there's just a little bit of uncertainty about whether or not they're going to be able to stick in, a, in an everyday role. I, I think you're right. That gives him a real leg up. And in OBP leagues, with that very same projection, he ranks eighth <laughs> among second yeah. basements. There's absolutely no dilemma there. Not that there's much of one uh, in standard leagues. So, uh, you know, big, big split there in terms of value in the different formats. Uh, feature read today, also just a really interesting one, Michael, comes from David Lorela of Fangraphs. Clayton Richard discusses his Project 2020, and this is all about what Clayton Richard is doing during the uh, during the shutdown and basically completely retooling his mechanics and his arsenal. Um, I know Clayton Richard probably is not a lot of people's radar in terms of fantasy. He's still unsigned. But if you're interested in just uh, kind of mind-body connection and one pitcher's process for becoming relevant again, this is a fantastic read. So uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this one yet, Michael, but uh, I have a feeling you'd really dig it because, uh, you know, somebody who, who played some ball, I think you could relate to, uh, to the process. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. I have not seen it, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out right, uh, right after I finish uh, putting this all together. So thanks, Al. <laughs> all right. Well, hope you all do the same. And so on that note, we are going to wrap things up there for uh, today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can take part in our 90-day free trial or get 40% off a subscription just by going to theathletic.com slash baseball and 15. All that we do is a part of the subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be right back here on Wednesday. Mm-hmm.